0: Okay, well, welcome to this week's episode of the Decarb Connect podcast. I am very pleased to be joined by Damien Beauchamp, uh, the newly promoted president of Eight Rivers, and who quite recently was one of our speakers at the Decarb Connect Festival and part of an innovation panel which really got a lot of questions and created a lot of buzz. So uh, Damien, I'm sure many people in the audience would have heard of eight rivers in connection to net power, but I wonder, could you just give us a little bit of a sense of the space that you occupy within decarbonization uh, and the work that you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you, Alex. And I appreciate uh, your inviting me uh, to, to this wonderful podcast series, and I look forward to uh, our discussion today. Eight rivers... Um, as an entity, focuses on the development of both technology as well as projects as they relate to the net zero or zero emissions space across industry. Uh, it, this, this includes everything from you know cement and steel to blue hydrogen production as well as zero emissions electricity production uh, from uh, carbon based fuel sources. In addition to that, we also provide services to entities that have uh, committed to meeting net zero um, in some time frame. And, And we focus on helping those clients and customers develop strategies that allow them to reach those net zero ambitions profitably. And so that that really is is the best way to think about Eight Rivers is as a total solutions provider, uh, both from technology as well as project deployment. Mm.
0: And I think what's interesting about that is So, you know, the start of Decarb Connect's journey, you know, we heard a lot of people just focused on the, how do we do this? How do we decarbonize? How do we get to net zero? But your language right there reflected something we heard quite a lot of in our recent event, which was, it's not enough to just know how to do it. It needs to be done in a way that allows industrials to retain their competitiveness. And as you say, how to do it profitably. I know other, other participants in the event were talking a lot about the business model, around decarbonization as much as the, uh, the how to of decarbonization. So let's kick off then. So our, our focus for today is really on creating conditions for success in this phase of demo to pilot, and on to scale up so something that a lot of industrials and in fact wider uh, corporate world is concerned about is it's one thing to establish uh, an innovation project in the area of decarbonization but how do you really help it flourish how do you help it succeed so that it has that potential to be a fully scaled up solution at some point in time so let's start with that phrase of you know what it means to create conditions for success tell me a bit about you know from your perspective, what is it that you observe around you? What are those successful projects and companies doing, including your own, that really help these early stage projects to succeed?
1: I think one of the most important things when, when you think about um, early stage technologies or technologies, I'll say, that at least the world hasn't seen deployed yet. Um, a lot of those technologies as I see it today, uh, are comprised of components and subsystems that to a large extent already exist, but they're being brought together in a single system is what's novel and so I think the most important thing that uh, any entity or, or group uh, could could focus on when when deploying uh, a new technology is to be meticulous. Uh, in developing that technology and the details of it um, and teasing out all of the various points where things can go wrong um, and how those those failure points can be adequately addressed. I think that this is particularly important um, in this space of decarbonization, particularly um, because we're talking about large-scale projects that need to be deployed, and those large-scale projects require tremendous capital investments. And those infrastructure-scale projects will require appropriate wraps and warranties from the engineering procurement and construction firms that are coming to the table uh, to 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 construct these facilities. Additionally, the equipment vendors will need to feel comfortable that their equipment, when used in these new processes, um, are operating within their warranted specifications. And so, being meticulous through the data collection and testing process, uh, I think, is absolutely critical. The second thing to focus on is the economics uh, of of the the process, um, and and always trying to look for areas where uh, the economics for the offering can be improved. So so that's from from the demo uh, to commercial scale. That's that's what we do. I think that's what most um, firms that have been successful in that scale up also do. We've done that not only. Uh, through what net power has pursued separately with this team, but also at the eight rivers level uh, with the other technologies we're we're developing.
0: Mm. so as you're talking, I wrote down um kind of the idea of people really needing to ensure that technology is not just fit for the issue but fit for market, which I think has come up in other ways in other conversations I've had about. It's not enough to just have a widget that works, you know, at a very small level. It, it has to fit uh, the market as much as the technical issue itself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the other thing that that we've learned um, is that you can't force a solution into a situation. It's, it's better to examine the situation or the circumstance and adapt Technology to the condition, so no two projects uh, or no two locations around the world are going to be exactly identical. So it's important to uh, listen, if you will, to not only the customers but also the circumstances uh, under which the the particular technology or project is being deployed. Um, and I think focusing on on those details will also allow. Uh, for one to uh, identify um, how the project can maximize uh, its economics, because it's going to be critical uh, in the first handfuls of of large-scale decarbonized projects that the economics work. Um, I think that's critical to the the success of, Mm -hmm. of the industry as a whole.
0: Okay so we'll take a slight change of tack with this next question but it does all kind of come back together but I'm, I'm interested in your view so that what you've just said is true for those who are thinking about this from both a an early stage tech angle it's true if you're thinking about it from um, other kind of equipment and technology and advisory angles and it's true for industrials too um, but sort of coming at this from the purely from the industrial angle for a moment What have you learned or observed about how to approach innovation in those sectors? You know, they have very particular ways of uh, investing in their own businesses. The capex cycles are much longer. They tend to be quite conservative in their typical approach to to innovation, other than within their own product areas. But tell us a little about what what are you seeing about people that are really winning on the innovation uh, stakes from from hard-to-abate sectors? What is it that they are doing as, as industrial companies?
1: um i you know the the best way we've found to to work with these customers who have expertise in particular domains is to focus on their domain and to do that we focus on things like understanding the supply chains that they're comfortable with understanding the uh markets that they operate within and then working as hard as we can to not ask them to work outside of those domains, but rather find other, um, organizations that perhaps operate in the domains that one is not comfortable with. So I I think about, you know, consortia and, and bringing consortia together around projects is critical. Um, so for example, when you look at electric utilities, um, obviously those those organizations are not industrial gas companies, nor are they oil and gas companies um, and 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 what's important about all three of these is if you're trying to decarbonize the power sector it's difficult to ask them to understand the logistical complexity of transporting a gas. what's more likely to succeed is to bring the entity into the uh, the project development cycle with the utility who has that expertise. At the same time, when disposal of that CO2 happens, say, through pure sequestration or even enhanced oil recovery, obviously partnering with the organizations who understand geology, injection, and drilling is going to be critical. And when you bring those three groups together, along with the entity that's going to facilitate uh, and, and, and deploy its innovation, um, I think then you have a real chance for success. But approaching entities in a one-off fashion uh, in decarbonization today, I think is challenging. It's going to take uh, the appropriate entities coming together and each getting some economic benefit uh, from, from the overall uh, deployment, whatever that may be.
0: I know when we spoke about this before, you said that one of the other aspects of the kind of the industrial mindset around this needs to be not just about capturing the CO2 or solving that problem, not just going right into that specific issue, but really thinking about it at a broader business model level. So how do you do that? in a way that allows for a market to develop. That was a phrase that you uh, used, I know, in one of our early conversations. Are you you seeing many industrials think in that way yet, or does it tend to be still more technical challenge focused?
1: I think that technology has been under development in this area for two decades now. So I think that there are certainly solutions that have come to the table where we're getting over the focus on technology risk because um, a significant amount has been demonstrated at a scale that is uh, uh, suitable um, to many of these entities and what they're, they're comfortable with. I think the more important thing that's happening today on these projects for a lot of the entities are the details of the projects and the infrastructure that's in place. Um I think for early projects to be successful, it's going to be critical that we choose location. So you hear this in real estate all the time, location, location, location. Couldn't be more true uh, for decarbonization-based projects or, or ca- carbon capture projects.
0: In the last year or so, I would say we've seen a, re- a real change in how our industrial clients actually talk about decarbonisation. I'm wondering if you're seeing that too in the project discussions that you're having. Have you seen a particular shift in how they come to an early stage project discussion or how they talk to you about the projects they want to initiate? What's your sense of that kind of shift um, that's going on at the moment?
1: I would say the, the main shift is is the openness Uh, to the concept, and not only the openness, but almost the requirement uh, that's being put in place for for especially new projects uh, to be decarbonized, uh, as well as looking at existing assets. Um, With carbon pricing coming on the table in the form in the U.S. of 45Q and other other, uh, CO2 market pricing happening elsewhere, um, I think that that has certainly started a conversation around you know the financing of projects and 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 what that looks like based on new carbon pricing that's that's coming to market. but I think for the most part, aside from being more open minded and and even seeing that this is a a change that has has kind of occurred and a shift that has occurred if you look at all the the companies and countries. And organizations that have committed to achieving net zero, and even going back in time and 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 pulling their historic emissions out of the air. If you look at all this, what it really starts to come down to um, are the specific deployments and the economics around those deployments. And what's interesting is, I think that you know, one one looks at at. at at locations that has uh, the existing infrastructure in place um, that doesn't require the project to deploy additional capital beyond just the specific project itself. Meaning, um, if you look at power projects, um, decarbonized power projects, obviously the ideal locations are where you find intersections of CO2 transport infrastructure, sequestration infrastructure in line with existing transmission and distribution electrical infrastructure, um, as well as, say, fuel supply. Um, You know, where those three things meet, those are ideal locations. Now, I think over time, networks for transport and sequestration begin to expand as well as utilization. Um, But today one would not want to be trying to place a project where there isn't an existing infrastructure in place. If you have to build 100 miles of CO2 pipeline uh, for the project to be economic, that in some cases could be a non-starter. And so what we've focused on and what we focused on with uh, large industrial clients is let's identify the best locations today where this project can be economic on its face, based on the products that it's producing, one of which most often, if in our cases, is going to be CO2. So whether it's CO2 and quicklime, CO2 and cement, CO2 and power, and in our case, it would be you know power, CO2, argon, nitrogen, um, as well as you know CO2 and hydrogen. Where can those two come together? Um, so uh, back to your question. I think the shift has happened in that the large industrial players have, have come to the realization that this is, this is a paradigm shift uh, in, in, in society as a whole. And they're now finding ways to monetize this so that it becomes a profit center for them rather than a cost center. And we're hyper-focused as a solutions company um, in finding the places where, where these kinds of projects work best
0: and you you're taking the role my understanding is you're taking the role very much as as project leader project developer so are you forming are you taking the lead role in forming the consortia or are you often coming in at a point where perhaps other partners may be in discussion already so what point are you typically coming into these sorts of uh, discussions
1: honestly i i would say that we're we're coming in at both um so as an example um we are currently developing four projects globally um, that are focused on decarbonization, power generation, hydrogen, and ammonia. So, so that's what we're focused on is, is the decarbonization right now of power, hydrogen, and ammonia uh, primarily. But we're certainly being asked by entities uh, to, to look at specific projects that they look to deploy some of which incorporate uh, our technology and, and some projects don't incorporate our, our technology uh, directly. Um, in in some projects, we do take a leadership and, and ownership position uh, and others, uh, they're being led by outside clients that have interests. Now, what's interesting about the model that we've set up here at Eight Rivers is that we have entities coming to us because of our expertise and the fact that we focused on decarbonization uh, for the past 12 years. And they'll come to us, and we're seeing two clients separately looking at projects uh, where there's potential for them to come together and work together on the same project. And in fact, in some cases, we're talking to two clients separately, um, you know, in a confidential nature. So they don't know that they're both interacting with us, but those two clients have already signed an MOU publicly on on decarbonizing uh, a particular sector uh, or region in the world. And so it's 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 really quite compelling. Uh, I think the the model that we've set up here at Eight Rivers, and and I think we're going to be in a in a very good position uh, to help facilitate um, a lot of decarbonization throughout the world. We don't always have to be, uh, at, at the center. It doesn't always have to be eight rivers technology only. Um, we, we have plenty of ways that we, we can facilitate and accelerate decarbonization because, uh, at our core, that's, that's one of the most important, um, issues we, we are looking to address.
0: Mm. It's interesting. I I had a, a, A session a podcast with um the uh, storeger ceo and he was talking about carbon capture in europe but you know and, and the kind of sequestration in the north sea but he used this phrase um saying that what we're seeking to do you know as a market is, is effectively establish the equivalent of the oil and gas market in the next a decade or two, but which took you know seventy or eighty years for the oil and gas markets to develop. And sort of with the way you're talking about it as Europe, you know, part of this kind sort of piecing together, different projects, playing different roles, it very much feeds into that sort of approach. of This is this is market building. It's not just project delivery; it's market building.
1: I agree with that. And what's interesting, I you know, I really like your reference to the building of the oil and gas industry over sixty, you know, seventy years. And what we're looking to do is not, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that we're looking to do it from the ground up the way the oil and gas industry had to do it. If you think about it, the foundation's already been built by the oil and gas industry. And this is this is the, uh, the particular thing we find very interesting is that um, the oil and gas sector, and this is Perhaps a point of controversy for some groups, but the oil and gas sector could in fact be the sector that aids in accelerating meaningful decarbonization across the world because they've already laid the foundation, both literally and figuratively, in that they know of and have access to the largest storage vessels on earth for CO2 storage, Uh, those being the depleted oil and gas wells around the world. They know the ones that are the safest, the most contained. They have the expertise in in accessing and injecting into those structures. Um, And so rather rather than kind of demonize that sector the way so many who are interested in reducing emissions and climate change, uh, have I think the more important thing is to look at how can we work together, unify, and come together for an all-of-the-above approach. Uh, you know, we see this in so many different areas of society where, where it's unfortunate that we find divides where we should find unity. And, and more can be achieved through that. And I think the oil and gas sector is critical for that. And in fact, I think that's why we're going to be successful in achieving large-scale decarbonization globally within 10 years instead of 70.
0: Okay. So, a last couple of questions for you, Damien. So, one, coming back to the kind of the innovation issue, I, I suppose one of the perennial concerns things that it comes up quite a lot in conversations i have is is not whether there are technologies that do the job i think everyone knows they are and as you have said you know there is evidence particularly in carbon capture that technologies are fit for scale but i suppose the question is can we see enough at scale projects in the timeline, we need to achieve net zero and to avert a kind of uh, a kind of a larger climate issue than we're already facing. And I wondered what your thoughts were on that. Obviously, you're seeing projects take shape and be successful, but what needs to happen for more of that? For more speed, more momentum, more acceleration in the, in the deployment and the right at scale projects?
1: I think that society as a whole has been able to meet a lot of the goals. That it set out to meet. I mean, if we look at just the, the the current pandemic and situation we're in today, the rate at which we we were able to achieve a vaccine that was effective for this virus is is unprecedented. Um, never before has has a a solution to a a biological problem been developed so rapidly. Um, perhaps I'm wrong on that, uh, you know, but I, I think I think the point I'm making uh, is is understood. Um, and the same thing goes like if you look at sox emission uh, and, and particulate emission from power plants and and NOx emissions, we were able to achieve reduction in all of those things quite rapidly. I think that we can do the same for for decarbonization. It's certainly going to be a challenge. I mean, Morgan Stanley has pointed out that we're going to have to spend three to $6 billion a day if we're to achieve the the 1.5 degree scenario by 2050. Um, There's no way that any one entity does that. That is going to require uh, what we're seeing. And that's more and more entities, both in the industrial sector and not in the industrial sector, committing to becoming responsible for Emissions associated with their business you know obviously, outside of industry, uh, heavy industry, we're seeing companies like Microsoft and amazon and 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 others you know commit uh, to to taking responsibility for and pulling out of the air their historic emissions, as well as preventing emissions moving forward. And I think the more people do that, the more likely we are uh, to, to achieving these goals. But it's, it's certainly no small feat, but again, in all of the above approach, bringing in renewables, bringing in carbon capture, bringing in nuclear, I think all of that is gonna be uh, necessary uh, to, to, to achieve this because it is a, is a, it is a, a, a monumental uh uh target yeah. to achieve
0: yeah and I, I think you mentioned at the beginning uh, of the conversation actually i think the the other piece of that that certainly from an industrial you know the, the clients we have in the industrial perspective that still needs clarity for them is how do they find the right kind of financing to support not just one project not just two not just an innovation project but how do they find the level of financing that they will need in order to actually kind of uh, rollout roll out asset, you know across their whole asset base, the right sort of uh, strategy and technologies as well. And that finance piece is becoming clearer, but I, I don't think is 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 incredibly clear yet.
1: I would agree with that. i yeah, I, I think it's still it's still firming up.
0: But I wondered what your thoughts are or your expectations uh, as an as a company are on on the new administration in in the US. Obviously, there's a lot of interest both in the US and uh, around the world in what uh, the state's climate ambition will be and what policies will come into place. I'm just wondering what's your what's your expectation or your sense of what we might expect to see over the next um, couple of years? Have you seen any clues that kind of interest you?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, We've we've seen indicators already. uh, Some some concrete indicators. One uh, was the extension of the forty five Q deadline from you know the end of twenty twenty three to the end of twenty twenty five, which is excellent to give uh, an addition some to extend that runway uh, for projects to to get off the ground. Um, So very excited about that. I think that. The Biden administration will do for climate change what it's looking to do for um, the, the the kind of the American people, if you will, uh, as a whole, and that's that's to bring uh, everybody together. And I think an all of an above approach to climate change is going to be pursued by the administration. I think it is being pursued by the administration. Um, you know, Biden's appointment of Granholm uh, as the energy secretary, um, she's already expressed support uh, for carbon capture and, and its importance in being able to achieve uh, our climate targets. So I, I think we've got a wonderful four years ahead. I think it will certainly uh, accelerate what already has a, a great deal of. Uh, uh, velocity today. So looking forward to to what's ahead, and I think it'll be exciting for, um, for for our climate and for decarbonization.
0: Damien, thank you so much. Congratulations on your your promotion to president. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the new directions and new projects that uh, Eight Rivers is involved with. And thanks so much for joining today.
1: Thank you, Alex. It was a pleasure to uh, join you in this discussion and uh, decarb. Connect is always doing wonderful things, and I look forward to uh, the event into the future.
0: Thank you.